This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today, of course, is Hans. He's with me every day. Hans, you haven't missed a show in recent memory. Oh, JK, because you didn't want to come on the Will Smith show because, oh, dude, I'm sick and tired. I'm on the couch pu- puking, heaving, and you I shit my, my pants. You, you heard my voice on the episode with it the day after when I had to mute myself every time I laughed because I would go on a coughing fit for, for like 30 seconds, you shit. Also, I don't care about talking about the Will Smith thing. You had Kenny for that. I'm I sure did have he... Kenny for that. He had invaluable yeah. commentary and insight exactly. as far as Will Smith's career. If you want to go to relationship advice, you go to Kenny. Well, he's in a... He's got a girl... Well, he did have a girlfriend for a while. He's single again, so... No, well... He had a harem. Of, he did have a harem. He still women. kind of has a harem. <laughs> Kenny's harem is uh, very you know, noteworthy. It's uh, folklore at this point for the fans of this show. Hey, we got Jake back. Jake, how are you doing today? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me back. I noticed you. Didn't you wear that exact outfit on the last show we did about M. Night's films? Yeah, it's kind of like a cartoon character thing. Like I go to bed and then I wake yeah. up the next day and I'm just pre- presto in the same same little uniform as the day before. It's uncanny, actually. The it truly is. You know, it's, isn't it weird that Jason is wearing all red now, always, at all times, even in his underwear? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, tonight we're talking about uh, one of the great alien films of the aughts, from my perspective anyway. I'm curious to get your perspective on this. Hans, because I feel like if anyone's going to dissent on on signs, it could be you uh, of the three of us here. But I rewatched this recently, and as I said on the last show, this is what kicked off my whole M. Night personal retrospective where I wanted to see what his career was really all about in this period of time where he became a blockbuster director. And I was pretty pleased with, with signs on the whole, although... Something that I did note between Unbreakable, which was his fourth feature, and Signs, which was his fifth feature, which came out two years after Unbreakable, is that he gets less adventurous with the camera in this movie compared to Unbreakable. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit uh, as we dive into the film. But just just for a quick uh, recap here, Hans, you said that you went to go see The Happening in the theater on a date. I went to go see The Happening in the theater on a date. You mean? No, The Happening. Oh, oh okay. That's the story well, I, you told. Do you not remember your own story? Are you no, making up like, stories on this show? No, but now, I'm like, Hans? why are you, why are you mentioning, I thought you were talking about your own story, not mine. You think so I'm like, going on dates as a 10 year old boy? Fair enough. Yes, anyway. just on, just <laughs> not once that you pick. <laughs> they take you. <laughs> um, Jake, you said you rented this movie, right, back in 2002 when it came out. What was your impression then? And also, Hans, when was the first time you saw Signs? Uh, came out, what, 2002? Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very uh, shortly after. I want to say 2006, maybe? Because I'm, I'm really into aliens and everything that has to do with, like, the outer space Shit, that that shit's always that and dinosaurs used to give me nightmares when I was a little boy. So I've always been really interested in that. Oh, you too. But... Like after I saw uh, Jurassic Park, even though logically, as like yeah. an eight, a nine year old, I was like, "There's no way that yeah. there's going to be like a Velociraptor in my backyard out back." I always thought like I was uh, laying in my room. Every Look, time I would go looking to the through beach. those Venetian blinds, I see the Dude. trees moving, and I said, "There could be one." <laughs> 
They're really every time, every time I, I will go to the beach, I will be like, what if there's like a dinosaur that's hiding and for whatever reason today's warm, so it came out and it's going to eat me? Well, and you, and, and, yeah, and you live where the movies take place. They're, they're exactly, right off yeah. uh, Costa Rica. In, well, in, in the mm, I don't know. Because Nublado. Isla Nublar, yeah. But the thing is that uh, that island actually exists. Uh, it's called Turtle Island. Uh, but, Turtle Island? Yeah, but uh, they... Uh, they say San Jose, Costa Rica at the beginning of that movie, and it's like a jungle. That's not what San Jose looks like at all. Like it's a complete opposite of what? That. It's it's not a jungle with a bunch of <laughs> safari people with a bunch of just white people wearing safari clothes living in huts. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I I really enjoy Signs. Uh, I uh, I think the casting is great, uh, especially uh, like I hate children acting, but I, I think. Uh, the Colkin kid and uh, what's her name? Abigail Breslin. Abigail. He really knocked it yeah. out of the park getting these two to play Mel Gibson. I mean, the whole family, the the acting there is terrific. Yeah. Joaquin Phoenix is very funny in this movie. One of well, yeah, this is one of Phoenix's like first like major like ooh, it's me, Joaquin Phoenix roles. He was a uh, he was the dude in Gladiator right before that, but yeah, yeah. this is one. Because I think of, I mean, he was in a Best Picture winner, sure, Gladiator. But I don't know. There was something different about this one for him, I think, that really, I think, made an impression that kind of carved him out. Because it showed his more sympathetic side that he's really leaned into the last, like, 20 years. He, he He's playing these sympathetic characters and whatnot. Well, and I Gladiator, think that was the one that really showed him. He was a, a, like a big uh, kind of Joffrey from Game of Thrones kind yeah. of character in that film where he's just uh, repugnant. And in this one, you know, he's charming and likable and very just small town guy who uh, has a bit of a legend, but he's kind of a fuck up as well. And Yeah, who, who reacts to a lot of things. <laughs> in these movie, he's always reacting to something with his big eyes just... Mm. Uh, reacting to a screen when they all get obsessed with anything that has to do with aliens, which I've been through before. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't think, or I don't I don't know anyone that has uh, a positive, I mean, a negative opinion on on this movie. I think. Yeah, there's there's a few there's a few people out there on the web. I think I think the, the reasons, water thing. The reason, yeah, the reason that, that's fickle. that's a snarky. I'm online uh, review perspective of of this movie which is oh, if they don't like water why would they go to the planet that's 70 percent water it, it's i'm so smart it, it's, it's literally explained I'm... in the movie to your face like, what? like why that would be the case they they say exactly why that might happen <laughs> well you don't you're not saying that the reviewer is not smarter than the aliens jake what do you mean uh, i'm i'm saying saying that <laughs> it's these, just... are, these are a bunch of Angry men, angry man babies on the internet. Ryan Johnson would have been right if he said it 20 years ago. Do but. you think this happened because of the well no, because he's he's um he had a pretty good track record by this point. So I don't think you know people will criticize it just to criticize it because everyone liked this movie. No, this right? is a this is in retrospect. People are criticizing this movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. It right. was so to be totally clear about the whole M night trajectory, there was a portion of time that I think we've climbed out of where it was very fun for your your average snarky internet nerd to dunk on M. Night and say, actually, he was never good. But that's right. not true. That's certainly not true when you take a look at any of his early films from this 
period of six or seven years um, in the early aughts. And because of that, people went back to things like signs or, the, I mean, the village was the one that was first debated, I guess, um, or, or even the sixth sense, people criticize because he's just in that, that bin now of filmmakers who were overrated and, and are overrated and are fair game. You know, but I think that the the tide has turned on that. First, it started with the the visit, right, where people were like, "All right, well, maybe M Night's back. Maybe, maybe he's you know he he might be he might be on the come up here." And then with Split, people were pretty firmly like, "All right, he's back. He he, I'm willing to check out an M Night film and not do it ironically." And then maybe he kind of. Maybe pissed it away with glass. I don't know. That got bad reviews. That got surprisingly. I thought it was, critics you know, were the, wrong. They were wrong. I haven't seen even, it even yet. though Armin Armin didn't like it either, but I think he got it wrong too. I, I think. Uh, quick aside. I think since the visit, Shyamalan's made he's made a, at least a decent movie every time. At least a decent movie. So that's five in a row for me that that I have liked all the way back to uh, the visit. Oh, I won't agree with old. Old, I thought was ungodly. Un- un- I thought well, it was there's there's ridiculous. a conversation to be had when we talk. <laughs> yes, there is. Um, I'm gonna um, watch. I'm gonna have to watch old. What Hans? Have you seen any of the new films aside from Glass and Split? Um, no, no. I went from The Happening, uh, jumped Airbender after Earth, and The Visit to Split. And I, and I feel like I watched Split just because I wanted to, I knew there was, there was going to be a, a, a trilogy. So I was like, well, let's, you know, I, I like Unbreakable. Let's let's continue this thing, but not because I was a fan or anything. Um, do you think that the whole big director era of Hollywood is done? Because mostly mostly what are the what are the names that are consistent that that you know oh oh shit i'm gonna go watch a a scorsese movie in the 90s you know that you know exactly the type of movie there's a few there's a few but the caveat is they're holdovers from a previous era but but yeah some of them are young enough that they can still prevail another 10 plus years you have somebody like christopher nolan who's only in his early 50s uh so he could he could probably make films for foreseeable future you have somebody like tarantino who claims he's he's like done but he might do another but he's also kind of uh tarantino is definitely a guy i would more so associate with late 90s or or the aughts as really his generation um and then yeah you have Shyamalan, who again he well he's in his early 50s too so he has plenty of time he can still make plenty of movies if he just stays in like good health and whatnot but he's still coming from a previous era so that's like that's like the caveat you have but i mean for better and for worse you do have somebody like uh jordan peele who now every time he lets out a movie or backs a show as much as i criticize the guy he's he's maybe like one of the few that are keeping it alive and then maybe somebody like uh, Robert Eggers, who I'm excited to see his uh, Northman movie. That's the only it's... one I could think of right now. Yeah, but yeah. like marquee name directors is uh, I don't think it's 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 certainly not close to what it was. Not not even remotely close. 
No, I think if you look at the 90s, that's a real, like the last explosion of directors coming from a decade of time that uh, would become household names for their artorism. Um, and that doesn't really seem to be happening with the same velocity as uh, what we saw in the 20th century. It does lend some credence to the very overdramatic and overstated take that, oh, cinema's dead. Well, it was just, it was just a hundred, uh, Brady Snellis loves to do this, it was a hundred year period of film, and now we're out of, and now I started watching uh, Squid Game, Wait, and I like the Squid Game. Freddie Stanellis, the Canyons, Freddie Stanellis is saying yes. this. Oh, yes. great! Oh, well, listen, listen to this guy. <laughs> I didn't say. Look, at, right, listen. <laughs> I'm not gonna run a defense of Brett. His work speaks for itself. I think he's got plenty of great books mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, some good adaptations. I know you weren't a fan of Less Than Zero. I think it's a great pop '80s hit, but it has very little to do with his novel. Um, right. I, I, I don't. I, I think there's a lot of people that are you know, sounding that, that, that horn a little early, a little prematurely, because we haven't undergone the full transformation of what movies are becoming because of the decline of theater going and um, the, the rise of streaming as a legitimate platform to get your movie out. So we'll see what that looks like. But I do anticipate that it's going to take a similar shape to the way that the publishing industry has gone, which is it is going to, um, it's going to shrink you're going to see a lot of shit that's put out to theaters, just like a lot of the, um, you know, the big publishers like Simon and Schuster will snatch up uh, written works by just famous people in general. It doesn't really matter what the quality is. They're very less likely nowadays to uh, give, uh, you know, an unknown entity or whatever uh, a book deal based off of. It's the cool, promise. you kind of make this comparison because I think Signs is actually a great illustration of what movies used to be even as recent as 20 Mm. years ago so to answer your question from a few minutes ago yeah i so i saw this pretty much right after it came out on uh blockbuster i remember like me my brother and like friends of ours in the neighborhood were were hearing about this and what a box office hit it was and i just saw it was made for 70 million dollars which is a big budget but i don't see where they spent it really probably on cast and then Maybe on some of the effects. Yeah. The CGI. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but it you made were... it made over four hundred million dollars. Oh, wow. Which is it, I say this all the time. It, it's just um I don't think I don't think that movie does that today. Not not the not science itself, but a similar similer movie. And well, I think a, for me for me, based on how old I was at the time and the cultural impact of this movie and how popular it was in, in, in aliens and whatnot. This is a, this was a Spielberg event movie. This, this was, some people would say this is sacrilege to say this. This was the like, close encounters or ET of the odds in j- just on the effect it had on popular culture, the buzz the the box office returns the reputation and everything and then to boot it was it was scary or at least thrilling so this yeah this was a movie that i think really resonated with me at a young age to to and i'm going all chris stuckman here because he has the tattoo of it on his arm but 
uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Science, yes, the science yes, thing? Yes, Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix's face. He's got the whole family there. <laughs> he's got Mel Gibson's mugshot tattooed he's, on him. No, he's, he's got the Colkin kid choking in the basement <laughs> on his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Breathing in all that coal. Um, yeah. No, uh, this, this is a movie that I think really helped shape my perspective on like what movies could be or, or how impactful they could be at, at a young age and what really got me this is probably one of the ones that got me to be so into film like i am now because of just how big it was and it the, that just you know it, it's uh, this is going to sound like some stupid bread east and hell's crap but like that that just doesn't happen anymore it just doesn't they, um there's very few over the last maybe five to ten years that i think actually genuinely have had that effect um where it's yeah like a once in a generation type movie thing it's obviously once in a generation but um an alien movie today that's it's not going to happen it's not going to have that same it's not going to have that same cultural effect just because of like with what audiences are looking for these days and whatnot and this is i think if you want to make an argument for it one of the last like really well panned out sci-fi event movies um in my opinion i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they take a a far more personal approach with this film compared to uh many of the science fiction films that would follow that did you know i referenced war of the worlds on the last one that that's probably one of the better ones that takes a more oh no global annihilation plot but you don't really see the invasion you don't know what the aliens are up to you just kind of get like just little tidbits here and there through the radio or the TV or Joaquin Phoenix here's a th- certain thing. And it's much more about protecting the home, protecting the family. We're out in the middle of nowhere, uh, Pennsylvania, and we just have to make sure that we get through the night. And when they get through the night, then what happens next? All right, well, these aliens are, are littering their own throughout because they're harvesting humans. Okay, all right, well, where do we go from there? How, do, how, how does that look in action? when it's just a family versus one alien. You don't really have too many of those UFO or invasion films. Um, And if they are, you know, of existence, then, you know, it's probably in the 70s and you have someone wearing a wacky mask and a suit. And I'm thinking specifically of a movie with Martin Landau and Jack Palance. Um, The name of it is not coming to mind at the moment. But it's essentially a slasher film and they play it like that and it sucks. This is a very water space. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's a true classic now is that Silver is that the uh, Ed Wood version or the one with yeah. the James Rolfe cameo that you're referencing I know you, you both love the James Rolfe wow they, well they've redone that multiple times just it's like public they, domain they yeah it. you can yeah. you can touch any of those scripts that it's like when I was did. when I was fooled by the Night of the Living Dead 3D DVD that came out in the mid 2000s and the 3D didn't even work and Sid Hay was in it it was terrible mm. oh, um Going back to the point that Jake was making, uh, I just don't think any movie that is out or that's put out in the- theaters in theaters now makes that amount of money unless it's a superhero movie. When was the last one that wasn't tied into no, you're right. an extended universe that has already been you know, explored and now it's like, well, it's another piece of the puzzle that I have to go see. But anything that's not like 
related it to happen. that. No, you're, no, yeah. you're, you're, you're 100%, 100% right. I'm not even being like cynical about it. It's just that uh, the cultural impact of movies has totally changed in the 20 years since Signs has come out that to look at it <clears throat> and consider the fact that, yeah, it was made for a lot of money, <clears throat> excuse me, back then, but it, but it made an insane amount of money uh, especially by O2 standards. I mean, $400 million in O2 today would probably translate to about 600, $600 million. Like there, there's no, there's no unestablished non-franchise sci-fi movie. That's going to make that money. It's just not going to happen. It, and it's, it's just like fascinating to consider that because this is such a steeple of science fiction, particularly to the aughts. And then such a, steeple of uh, aughts films and in such a short amount of time like again obviously this movie is a product of its time but just like a similar film is either not getting made not for that amount of money certainly not for 70 million dollars uh and it sure as hell is not getting those kind of box office returns for a lot of reasons but among them definitely being that the event movie that this was doesn't really exist anymore it, it's uh yeah, like i'm not saying it's good I'm not saying it's bad but it it is just fascinating to consider how big this got and uh versus anything that stands a chance today There's how much a... how much of the conversation around science do you think has dissipated because of M. Night being a bit of a, a clown as far as a filmmaker goes, or, or at least that being the perception of him, versus the fact that this is a very... And this is something I, I certainly did not get when I watched this in the theater at 11 or 12 years old. This is a like a very vehemently pro-faith film. This is a very Christian movie. Um, yeah. How much of that do you think comes into play with, with that? Because, I, I you know, maybe it's just my Twitter space, but... I can see any number of films with that sort of message um, from the past 20 years, especially just getting ridiculed, raked over the coals because it's very easy to be smarmy atheist guy and like, haha, this, this sucks because it's outdated. God man, bad. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, again, uh, I don't want to be cynical because that, that, that's no fun. It's fun to be a nice, nice cheery guy saying all the good in the world, but you're uh no, you're right too. That it's just because it's from a different time. It's from a different time with where where people might have had different values, but didn't necessarily take them into the movie theater in the same way that they do now. And yeah. like it, that it, it sounds so cornball to say, but the fact of the matter is that it's real, and that today, because of how studios are micro analyzing everything that comes onto screen. Something as personal as, sorry, internet, I know, I know we don't like it, but something as personal as a man's religion is, is an incredibly important and poignant story because it says so much about what movies are supposed to be about, which is like very personal stories and, and show like conflict and struggle and, and having an alien invasion movie be pretty much the subtext or, or the subtext of an alien invasion movie being of a of a man struggling to keep his faith is 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 a is a pretty serious like personal thing and especially with Shyamalan's background it makes sense but like 
in O2, everybody bought that. I, I don't think I ever heard that as a criticism. Nobody ever thought that was a, a bad part of the movie. Whereas today you'd have, yeah, half of Twitter flogging themselves, reading like a little blurb from Richard Dawkins that has nothing to do with this movie. That's that's one of the things to go back to Loris's point uh, and jump into the point that you just made. Um, it makes it even more impressive the fact that it made so much money when it's a movie that doesn't show you giant spaceships, doesn't show you giant alien monsters, doesn't show you alien monsters killing people like on Mars attacks or anything like that if you wanted to take that uh, angle. It's a story about a man whose wife was killed in suspicious circumstances. He has a brother who's kind of retarded, who (laughs) was great at playing baseball, but not really, because he struck out a lot. He was just good at hitting balls. But what was the thing? He has, like, a bunch of records, and then you have Michael Showalter. Five home run records. Oh, yeah, Michael Showalter just appears as, like, a sleazy (laughs) guy out of nowhere. Yeah, as, like, a rocker with long hair, and he's just like, yeah, but he also has the record for strikeouts or whatever. So, like, there's nothing... I love that scene. There's nothing exceptional about any of these characters. They're just small-town, regular people whose this is happening to by chance. Like, the fact that they have the farm, the fact that they have that thing... Uh, that uh, giant space for the aliens to leave the crop circles or whatever, that doesn't really come into play because like, you would expect someone like that has a giant property like that would have money or like some type of farm or something. But this is very small, very uh, focused on the man, his family, and what happens to them. And we get little glimpses of the aliens, which I think works really well because you're at the time from what we can see from the aliens, the special effects were not great. So not at the time, at the time that looked fantastic. Now it really does um, come to the benefit that they don't show them too, too much. Also, even like when they replay it on the news, they cut away to the reaction instead of showing you blurry. It's a little blurry too, Mm -hmm. or they show this shot of a screen, not the main screen. Mm -hmm. It's only really a problem. I think now, at the end of the movie where you have it. But also uh, in, in that sequence, they're cutting between a man with like an SFX arm or yeah. whatever. So um, it's, it's not too, too bad. Uh, but when it does, when it is very clear for the audience, it's not the best. Yeah. The baseball bat scene is kind of, uh, but, but I think that's what makes it more impressive that, yeah, it's a, it's an alien invasion movie. And those usually are huge which right it's about the end of the world the world's going to get destroyed and and we're going to band together to fight these aliens here it's just well this just happened to happen to this family and they're going to have to deal with it even though none of them is exceptional in any way uh none of them has you know any any i guess uh yeah they're 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 not skilled they're just regular small town people and that's i think why the audience was able to connect with them so much uh, without needing, you know, everything else that I just said this movie doesn't have, which is what you usually get from this type of movie. I think it also would have been extremely easy to go in the opposite direction of, oh, well, there's aliens, so this debunks every religion, doesn't it? Right. But instead, M. Night uses that as a way to um, kind of promote or restore the idea that, no, you should have faith in something. Well, which he Mel does Gibson's, say that, right? Yeah, Mel Gibson, it's it's very that, yeah. explicit. 
I mean, Mel Gibson it's, makes the, the point himself, even though he doesn't feel that, right? Because he's trying yeah. to comfort uh, Meryl, the, the Joaquin Phoenix younger brother character. And it seems like everything everything's coming up well when that's the case. But when that isn't so much the case, well, I mean, it doesn't really have too much of an effect. It doesn't negatively impact Mel Gibson um, at all. But when he does try to um, see things in a greater perspective or, or believe less in the idea of coincidences, I guess, it does come together in a way that winds up protecting his family by the end. No, were you guys expecting... A... Uh, first reformed ending here because I kind of <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know he just for... <laughs> he just sacrifices his whole family to the alien. Yeah. Just... <laughs> but he's you know he's putting his his, his priest thing on. He's, he's all bloody like... underneath, like dances <laughs> yeah. around, and then what's he make he makes out with Michelle Williams for three hours? Is is that her in that? Right? No, that's uh, who is it? Amanda Seyfried. Amanda Seyfried. Right. That's right. Yeah. The, uh, the the michelle williams of the 2010s i guess you could say <laughs> uh yeah no i i did not see it going in that direction uh in the slightest sense i think maybe that was wishful thinking that it turns yeah. into a gritty like, dark ending is he, does he have a bomb vest under that and is he torturing his own nipples with you know i just watched a true crime video about a father who lost custody of his children because he killed his wife and got away with it and then he visited the in-laws who had custody and then blew the house up. He did the first reform thing. So that would be maybe closer to that. If he, if Mel Gibson, you know, if he lost custody of his kids to his dead wife's, you know, father and mother, then maybe right. he blows up the house. But that's that's not signs. I don't, I don't see that character doing that necessarily. Now, something that we mentioned on on an older episode, uh, he's acting in this. M Night is way too much in this movie he i think he only has he only has a couple of scenes where he speaks but it's very wordy and he's not very good (laughs) at delivering that i thought he was okay exposition he's he's fine i I thought i i i don't know is is it because you like him no no it's it's not even that it's not even that it's i just my impression like when i first saw it was uh i i think i forget if i knew that was him Right. the first time the first time i saw it i, I just might have thought it was some guy um but but it's I, like a big it's like a big well not a big it's role, an important I guess, role i mean it, role. comparatively it's a big role right because i mean it's not the sheriff who pays the family a visit right but it's the next right. big role after that yeah i i don't know i i thought it's like he only has one like keynote scene and it's pretty somber so he plays it like really really soft or whatever and it's he does a lot of this <laughs> his eyes are a lot of like you can tell that he's like but, trying but the, to the good thing well the reason i don't know i, I always liked that scene because for, for a few reasons because um the 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 build-up to it is pretty good with like the phone call and and he hangs up and then they revealed him earlier and you just see him like sitting outside but it's but also because uh like Mel Gibson just kind of takes the scene and he doesn't say a single word really. Like he doesn't say a thing, but he's like choked up and everything. So he, he totally steals it by not saying a damn word. So Shyamalan just has to like coast through, say the lines and, and he says them. And I was, and then the, the scene that immediately follows it pays it off. So I loved that whole structure of like inciting incident, build up, 
that being the scene where they're talking at the car and then payoff, which is the scene at the pantry. So I, I don't know. I just, I think the flow of that scene is what allowed me to forgive what you're just Maybe, like, yeah. oof. <laughs> so it's like, ah, ah, quickly finish the scene. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, my, I mean, my problem I with it is he's just got too much to say in such yeah. a short amount of time. So it's he's eating up the entire portion of that scene. But I agree that Mel, I mean, it's not really... A competition here between Mel Gibson and M. Night Shyamalan, who's going to be the better actor in the scene, but yeah. he does what? outact oh, him by on. just not expressing. <laughs> I will say, uh, M. Night's acting does improve in Lady in the Water, where he has a role that's essentially just him. He's a writer, you know, and he's not like, I have to play a haunted man, you know, or a, or a, or a terrorist, like in Unbreakable. Who does he play in The Sixth Sense? Oh, I forget. Uh, I don't think he has lines. He just you just see him. I think he's just doing. He's in line or something. Yeah, I, yeah. I just remember that um, you just see him and he doesn't really say anything. He's. I mean, it, it, it's obvious what he's doing. I like it. He, he's just doing. He's doing the Hitchcock thing, but he yeah. wants to make it his own. Like so, he does it in every movie. Um, I like it, but it, you know, it's it's whatever. It's a novelty, and um, he tried to bring something to it. So good for him, but. Um, yeah, I just loved how those scenes, how it plays out. It's just great, like structure, editing wise or writing wise, whatever you want to say that. That's how it plays out. And so, yeah, me, I don't know. And, and like, I don't. I don't think it's distracting. I don't think it pulls for me anyway. It didn't pull me out of the movie when he popped up on the screen. Um, and I don't think he's, you know, not a serviceable actor. You know, by the time, you know, he is an old also, as we've been uh, talking about frequently. He plays a tour guide and all a very sneaky, mean tour guide uh, in old. But, uh, you know, he's he's not bad mad either. He's fine, you know, but it's hard to look at him and be like, okay, well, this is the character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's kind of a fun, funny meta moment in in the movie. And it's when they go out into town trying to, like, forget everything and they go out for pizza. And he pulls up right in front of the shop. And it's just like beautiful lighting hits him like right in the middle of the frame. Like, <laughs> yep, that's him. <laughs> it's it, it's like the whole theater like that's. Oh yeah, the kid. I think the kids say something, right? I think the kids mention something, or is that the guy, or was that well, someone? One of the kids, or, yeah. One of the kids is like, "Oh, is that him?" And, and right, one of them's like, "Yes, it is." And it's this very dramatic, poignant moment of like beautiful backlight <laughs> from the sun hitting him, like golden hour. It's hilarious. The killer. I, I know he ruined yeah. pizza night for them. I know. No, ruining pizza night is always a mortal sin. Now, is he the biggest villain of the movie, or is, or do you think it is the alien? Even though the alien doesn't take anyone's life, the alien is not a villain. Mel Gibson is a villain for killing the alien that just fucking fixed your stupid defective child. <laughs> you think he was gonna kill him? He cured him. Right? What are you talking it, about? No, that's not the what. That's not what happened. Yeah, he, he does <laughs> the little. On the on the kid who's like got asthma and then the oh kid right yeah no no I think yeah. you watched the Green Mile Hans I think that's you confuse Michael <laughs> Clark Duncan with this alien. <laughs> what if that was like the plot Penis. twist that the alien was like oh wait I'm actually trying to help him like I'm just gonna put in his gas it's gonna free up yeah his life. <laughs> that's what and happened they, and, they, and they just beat, beat the ever loving hell out of it <laughs> yeah that's what I was like come on fucking Joaquin Phoenix don't be mean he's saving your kid. No, they're like one of those families you see when you see someone get pissed off on Twitter when someone's like, oh, yeah, if you could fix deafness, would you? And they go, what do you mean fix? There's nothing wrong with the deaf. 
Maybe yeah. maybe it's not a disability. Maybe that's just who they are. That's the kind of family they were. Now, I think, listen, I think, uh, I you know, the Culkin boy, who is the most superior Culkin? Him. He no. has a career still. Mm-mm. He has a career no, still. No, it's the one on Succession. That's the right answer. Oh, wait, that's not him? I thought that was him. This that's Culkin it's, is it's, the is, villain is the in Scream played, 4? Is it the one that played Fuller in Fuller? Oh. Home Alone? No, no, no. I, slurps all the soda? I think that's, that's the one on Succession. Yeah, that's that's the one on Succession. This one is Rory. 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 He's Kieran the, is the good one. He still gets on a lot of one. Oh, yeah, Kieran is the youngest, I think. No, wait, Rory is. Kieran's Rory old. is, yeah. Kieran's got a vibe about him that, you know, he wasn't molested. All the others have, like, yeah, my life's been difficult. <laughs> I think about something dark pretty frequently. But Kieran just seems kind of happy and normal. Yeah. Doesn't have that uh, Charlie Sheen history. <laughs> I just hey, you should ask Denise Richards what's what, what the deal with Charlie Sheen and Corey Haim was, Jake. Oh boy, yeah. I'm gonna say you should so, get to the bottom of things. I'm gonna say so. It's Let me ask you something, of... come on, Denise. Come on, hold on a second. So, so what did you see on your ex-husband's <laughs> computer that prompted the divorce? Um, could you? Hey, didn't Charlie Sheen? Here we go. We're gonna link it right back. Charlie Sheen played the Mel Gibson character with Simon Rex, who was on the Brett Easton Ellis podcast yes. this week in Scary on, Movie Three. Yep, with the giant iPod. That's the one, right? No, no that's, that's Scary four. Movie Four. Oh, fuck. Scary Movie wow. Three is where, uh, yeah, they're they're doing signs, and then Simon Rex leaves to become Eminem in Eight Mile. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Simon Rex, talk about a comeback. He was just in that that really. Really solid movie. Red Rocket. Yeah. Red Rocket. Yes. Yeah. Should Simon have been Rex. nominated. Should I have thought been... he was left like in a little time warp back in 06, and I thought he was still stuck there. And then. What's the name? Punked? Right? He was one of no, those. No, Dax Shepard. Right? Dax Shepard is oh, who you're thinking I always, I always Dak, say that. Dax Shepard. <laughs> Add that to people yeah. I kind of don't want to remember exist, but they do. He's, he's in like the Stifler category for me. We're just like, when they pop up, you're just like, oh, that's, that's that guy. That's cool. But take it or leave it, like, doesn't really. I think, I think Sean William Scott is infinitely more talented than Dak Shepard. Just my opinion. All right. Well, um, I don't know. It was a Sean William Scott fan club over here. <laughs> we we the... needed a Sean William Scott cameo inside. Should we do the they Goon trilogy? The $5 million. There's three? Yeah, the first they, one's great. I think I they like just the actually. One. There's probably more than three. There's probably like five now. I think they just kept doing them because he needs what? work. Uh, Goon. It's oh, a oh. hockey franchise starring Sean. The first William one Scott. is Jay Baruchel wrote that. Oh, hey, remember Jay Baruchel? Yeah, the last thing I saw him in was like Sorcerer's Apprentice in 2011 or something. The, the last thing I remember from him was when he directed that movie and then put out a statement about how you know this horror movie is good because it's not violent and violence is bad remember that yeah he did a horror yeah he did the mm. the public service announcement he, right before the horror film started because he's yeah sucks yep just canada <laughs> just canadian <laughs> how many goon movies are there uh hold on Let's see. There's the 2011 one. Right. No, there's only two. Two sequels? No, not just two movies. I don't believe that for a second. I think your research is. These only bunk. two goon movies. Bad. 
Not not, not as many as the K9 franchise. Still going strong, Still. probably. <laughs> oh, I always have to. Oh, American Pie 5 and Goon 3 could happen, says this article from 2019. There wasn't so, a Goon 3. I could have sworn there was a Goon 3. Maybe oh, it's like whatever. one of those uh, Kazam things. Mm-hmm. The Goon 3. Is it Goon the last? No, that's the second one. Last of the Enforcers. That's number two. That Jay Baruchel also wrote and directed. Yeah. Well, it was a, a $7 million budget earned... Oh, sorry. The twelve the budget was twelve million, earned seven million. So it's lucky to have even gotten a sequel. Yeah. What a wolf. failure. Jay Baruchel should go back into hiding. Remember even Goldberg? Remember when that guy was going to be the next big thing with Seth Rogen? Yeah, and Seth Rogen abandoned him for his abandoned own abandoned everyone that yeah. helped him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seth Rogen was just like, "Fuck you guys, Hollywood likes you." Yeah. Know, speaking so. of aliens, that guy. He's like what you see in a Men in Black movie when they got like the chart of all the famous people like in the world that are aliens. That would not surprise me at all. That, that that's, that's, a, that's a heinous man. That's a. He's just been a climber his entire life, right? He was a writer in Freaks and Geeks, I think, or something like that. When he was barely acting. No, no. The the best role he ever did was playing a playing a chubby bully in Donnie Darko. That's it. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot with his afro, his mm-hmm. Jewish afro. <laughs> well, he was good in that Pam and Tommy show. I don't know if you guys have seen it. No, no I'm getting around to that eventually. Uh, I'll, I'll check that. I out. thought he was going to be a piece of shit, and that was way more enjoyable than I thought it would be. Uh, that guy's Sebastian Stan, I think his mm-hmm. name is. Yeah, yeah. He's just really good at, at Tommy. I never liked Tommy Lee. I've always thought he's a shithead, but that show was good. It was it was like a good. Uh, five six episode thing we're just like all right that was that exists that's fine you know well how about we get back to science how about right instead of uh talking about pam and tommy huh jesus so unprofessional huh (laughs) anyway so this movie's pretty good i think this is probably my favorite m night film but i'll tell you one thing i i noticed with this with unbreakable that i mentioned at the beginning of the show is that he does not get as adventurous with the camera we have a bunch of shots in this movie that are pretty stationary and standard and kind of boring I, well i think yeah. i think it's i think it's the design of the film because i remember it might have been on one of the commentaries that he had or maybe it was just like an interview or something i saw which is um, what he wanted to do was build suspense or build uh, dread from the natural elements of, of the, of the setting, which is this farm like 40 miles out from Philadelphia. And he illustrates that through like um, the, the sound, like, uh, like the crops kind of breezing in the night and whatnot in that really creepy scene that takes place at night with uh, Mel Gibson walking through with the flashlight like that, that. That's a perfect illustration of that of just the sounds of the night being the scariest thing in in this situation and like the the wind chimes in the backyard that's like that's like a big kind of uh aesthetic thing that he adds into the atmosphere and i think i think that translates to the camera work because i I looked at the cinematographer i can't pronounce the name but um i i think that was totally the design and with with the setting and whatnot it was it wasn't looking to be experimental as much as maybe 
natural or naturalistic. Yeah, I, I can see why that might be the case. Uh, you know what? I, I, I completely unrelated, but uh, an aspect that just randomly came to mind that I really enjoyed about this movie is that you had so many different sources of information that they were pulling from as to why are the aliens here? What is the aliens' goal? And none of them were the internet, for starters, so that was interesting, right? But that's also fitting with the time, even if you know AOL was was a thing that everybody was on in 2002. But, you know, you had these, you know, wacky books that some Indian guy, some Pakistani man wrote, you know, that they were going off of based off of the uh, Rory Culkin character uh, delving into that and trying to see if he could gather any sort of information as to why these aliens have shown up to Earth and why they're behaving this way. Uh, but also you have, you know, uh, the television giving uh, information. And it's a mix of correct information and misinformation, like little things like, oh, well, the aliens would probably be my height. And then we we get like a big six foot five. Hans, you probably could have played that alien, you know, and uh, you, oh, the alien co- <laughs> <laughs> he's been feeding a lot. <laughs> he's, just, he's just posting up on the couch, like learning how to channel surf. And he's got just spicy like... Dorito dust on his long fingers. <laughs> he's got a buffet alien. <laughs> he's ingesting his own gasket and stone flexing his muscles. Yes, that, the that's the that's the gas that was released into Rory Culkin's face as Hans's asshole fart. <laughs> just, just one, one good morning one uh, that stays for a while. <laughs> that won't go away because it's thick. The one that sounds like it. a machine gun? Yeah, that one. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I like the misinformation aspect of the movie where you didn't know what could be, uh, you know, useful and uh, what will not necessarily apply. Something that they did drop in the film is, oh, well, if they're defeated, then they will maybe retreat and come back in 100 years or a couple dozen years or a thousand years and just obliterate everybody. Um, and they do just up and go randomly and we never see anything about that we just hear oh they left their week behind and then this guy was clearly one of the week or I was waiting for the coast to coast am with george nori uh um, cameo in this and i was sadly disappointed that there was no element of that i know not even not even art bell like they didn't even though he left the show at the time but what they do is they 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 certain they definitely mimicked him they 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 have the 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 radio at the end there and when um merrill turns it back on the next morning it's it's undoubtedly somebody doing like an art bell caricature which is which is cool but yeah if we got the real thing that would have been great if it was like art or george i would i would have geeked out at that driving at night listening to it just like you would oh yeah (laughs) maybe if richard uh, linklater helmed this because he's one of those guys who is very big into conspiracy content or paranormal content in the in the 90s i mean if you check out a scanner darkly and actually i don't think it's just a scanner darkly he includes alex jones in a couple of his films i believe maybe i'm misremembering but at least a scanner darkly he pops up in yeah but um what was I gonna, oh yeah the, the whole like information angle i, I think there was another it was another kind of design he had to that like something he he wanted to say but it's definitely it's definitely a cool creative choice that he did it that way because the internet was wholly accessible 
everybody was talking about it and any derivative kind of brandless filmmaker would say, oh, the first thing they do is they jump on their computer and, or, or they look like today would be, oh, or they look on their phone or something like that. Yeah. Whereas like in this case, Shyamalan designs a world and a family that the whole point is isolation. So it's either they don't care or they can't afford that luxury. And, and it totally works to the benefit of the movie. I, th- I think he said something about not using the internet for that very reason that it just it would it would keep the characters less confined if they had some kind of super information panel or, or uh, platform to, to go on it, it goes back to that thing where none of them are exceptional at, at anything so them not having all the information works for the story because you kind of want them to not have that information and that which way... i would like to see by the way in movies going forward i know it's easy and it's logical to say oh something happens and everybody like tries to check their phone or something or something like that i would like that to be a challenge to writers and hey maybe maybe one of us will do it to to believably write that angle out so you don't take so you don't go down that road and have to come up with a contrived oh well they can't the, the signal went down or something like it's got to be a way that can be utilized while still being like logical. And what do you not, do you not enjoy when the Samara came out of a cell phone because she saw the ring video? Don't tell me YouTube. that's what happened in that movie. I mean, that's I haven't seen it, but that's what I read that oh, they watch like no. a YouTube video of the ring and then she comes out of a cell phone or some shit. And... That's wow, that's funny. Oh boy, I bet, I bet the effects yeah. made that look so yeah. good. Is she tiny too? I hope it's <laughs> it, a lot like Star Wars Episode <laughs> Four like, no, with with, no. with Leia coming out of that little device. It could go that route. That would be nice. Uh, we got to get around to covering the ring at some point, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Any anything anything of the Asian variety, you're just jumping on <laughs> like like it's going out of style. Well, look look who my co-host is. You know, it's very yeah. consistent a consistent theme in my life in general. It's just there's got to be a little Asian spice everywhere. Uh, yeah. The Ring also <laughs> released he... in 2002. Oh, was it? The yes. American? Yeah, the American well, one. And look, yeah, it, like same thing. Same like um, cultural impact. Same year, like, um, like super genre heavy. And, and I believe it made a ton of money. But horror movies still can make a lot of money these days. But um, but that's one that, again, like just just had that had that edge and had people talking about it for months like in that was terrifying when it came out oh, i yeah yeah, yeah had yeah. a blast watching it because i was terrified of yeah. every screen in my house <laughs> yeah the, fir- the first time they open the door and you see the girl's like retarded face, face? yeah she's dead yeah like, i did kind of i did like i didn't pee myself but you know like a tiny little drop like like darts out that's what <laughs> just to remind you just to yeah. remind you that this could happen uh it made uh 250 the million worldwide with a which of which 48 million which today it's incredibly difficult to make that kind of money as a horror movie the only the only one that did was um david green's uh halloween movies have made about that much right but that's only because of that reason jay uh, what is your way, opinion like... currently on halloween kills oh yeah you you, you didn't invite me onto that show uh, how, how dare you no, I, think, <laughs> I, I think I was busy uh, so no harm done um, 
I want to watch it again, but it's, oh man, that that's one that as somebody who like, I say I'm a purist, I still enjoy a lot of what it did. I just, I, th- I think the, the asides they took with certain characters were, were a little pointless and it lost like the narrative focus, but stylistically I love what they did in a number of scenes. And then I just love how brutal it was. Like just, they were like, Oh, screw it. We'll kill like 30 people in this movie and just go balls to the wall. But like, so yeah, like, some of the diversion scenes I didn't really care for. Like the Michael McDonald scenes were kind of pointless. Him and uh, oh, I forgot he was dude. in that. That's yeah. the Matt TV guy, right? Yeah, yeah, Stewart. Yeah, Stewart. Yeah, yeah. I can't they see him, him as anything. I can't see him as anything but Stewart or anything. So everything he it's, pops up, it's, it's like oh, to it's me, to to me, Halloween Kills is like if Halloween Five did a way better job because Halloween Five was intently silly and goofy, like throughout the movie for reasons unknown, like with the the two cops that have like the, the corny music with them. And they're all like, they're like the three stooges. And then, and then, yeah, just a bunch of retarded characters. Like this is, that was, if they did it much better. They paired Michael year. McDonald with the, the protagonist, not the protagonist, the antagonist from the righteous gemstones season one as big John, little John the gay couple that buy the Myers house. Oh yeah. And Lenny Clark, who's like a very famous Boston comedian. Yeah, Lenny Clark. That was uh, a funny cameo. He's, he's Uh-oh. flying drones around his home with his wife. They get killed. I still firmly believe it's the best of the Halloween series without question leagues above any of the, the preceding films. Um, that's my take. I do like yeah. how they make uh, Tommy Doyle kind of a retard. Oh yeah, that's like, the best. I love no, he's he's the best part of the movie, Anthony Michael Hall, just playing a big well, fucking the, the, doofus. The funny thing is like I can't tell if that was a great performance or a horrible performance. I can't say so that that's that's how jarring that movie is. Like some things you're just trying to pick. Okay, one of the things that's definite, Judy Greer was effing terrible. And I'm her her character death was the most satisfying character death in like a franchise horror movie i've seen in years she was the insufferably bad terrible oh judy greer what what a what a wench that one huh yeah she's she's pretty bad i don't know i thought she was fine in the movie but i think (laughs) i don't remember go back and watch that we'll go back and watch that hospital scene where she's just wooden as as george washington's teeth (laughs) saying i don't know what happened i don't know yeah, to me, she's page. just always that bitch wife in a Duplass Brothers movie who fucks some other guy, and then the husband has to go on. Sorry, I guess I was wrong, honey. All right, I'll take you back. Because that's every Duplass Brothers movie. I guess I should have done the dishes like I said I would. Yeah, I just guess I guess I was emotionally distant. That's why you had to suck off four guys that I all I, I know I, all of them. So I guess I didn't put the seat down after I peed. You're right. Go fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. It's always yeah. the husband's fault. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, I think part of the part of what makes Halloween Kills great is the exact reason uh, you cited with the Tommy Doyle character, which is you don't know whether or not it's supposed to be good or bad. And I think the answer is it's both. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be as bad as uh, people are reading it to be, but it's also intentionally doing that to be iconic. Oh, which also, it is. Yeah, no, the um, the penguin dude jumping out of a window. 
<laughs> a little silly. Yeah, yeah. That was a little yeah. silly. <laughs> that was ridiculous, uh, too. Uh, them the, thinking that was Michael Myers. Come on. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but a little, little fat man with long Chasing hair. him around the hospital. It's very Home Alone-esque, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Is the third one coming out this year? It's yeah. supposed to. Yeah. I doubt it. Everything that's 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 said to come out this year that doesn't have a trailer out yet, I'm skeptical. It's like but, Avatar. We're still waiting. Right. For we're Avatar. still we're getting Avatar I, two I this year. Movie. I still haven't seen the first one. It's gonna be fifteen hours long. They shot four of them and did a video game and wrote a bunch of novels to to tie in with those. So that's great. So we'll have something to compete with Marvel. Finally, the Avatar franchise. Avatar will just be its own production company soon. Oh, boy. That'll be nice. Um, great. Anyway, evil dies tonight. Am I right, fellas? I do love how memed that's been. Like, now it's everything. Like, you could say whatever dies tonight or, like, it's great. It, maybe it was an intentional meme on part of, like, Dave Green and Danny McBride to be like, let's have this catchphrase. There's that, like, no way they... People- they threw that in thinking, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be like a good, serious chant that the town Well, well I mean, to, to not go into the review that you and Spencer had, like, there, there's definitely something there of people just repeating mantra, like angry people repeating mantras until they believe it's true. Like, like that's got to be some of the subtext. The sheeple, dude. The sheeple, yeah. man. They're all sheep. You know, they, I, I just love it. the stupid Anthony Michael Hall with his baseball bat, like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he just gets immediately killed. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't do anything. He it, he it, riles people up to get a, a man to jump off the window, off the ledge of a of a hospital building. That's about it. Maybe it's like a, a great black comedy if you watch it that way. I think it is. I genuinely think they knew exactly what they were doing with that. And, and they knew they probably couldn't repeat like the serious enough, anyway, tone of Halloween 2018. That's why they went in a complete different direction. I, I don't know what they're going to do with Halloween ends. They should just call it Evil Dies. They should just do the Nolan thing. Like, <laughs> no, we're, we're not going to call it Batman. We're going to call it the Dark Knight. Just call it Evil yeah. Dies Tonight. That's what they should do. The Evil That Dies Tonight. Halloween 13. <laughs> no, that's the remake, <laughs> is when you add the the. The, All evil, right. the evil dies tonight is when they reboot it. Anyway, that's a good double feature, Signs and Halloween Kills. But then again, most films go well with Halloween Kills. I, kinda, I just wish I had that mentality when I watched it, because I was reeling off the first one because I rewatched it. So I was like, okay, so this is going to be the same tone, same similar thing, and it really wasn't. So I was like, what the, what are they doing? Like, this is supposed to be a trilogy. What the fuck? I haven't. <laughs> they just, they I haven't ruined it. Yeah, it yeah. was just like, why would you ruin this? I haven't seen it since that one time I, I I watched it, and since our episode, I probably should just to have a different mentality as to how to enjoy this. I'm sure it will be a much better view than what I, I got the the 4K Blu-ray that has commentary with uh, David Gordon Green and Judy Greer. And Jamie Lee Curtis. And Jamie Lee Curtis thinks it's some poignant uh, masterstroke about January 6th and how <laughs> Trump supporters poison the minds of America. And David Gordon Green's just like, yep, uh-huh. Anyway, yeah. hey, look at this shot over here. If you notice this water tower in the background, we're going to bring that in. for, And then oh, she'll go Jamie on about Lee that. chugging too much of that, that, what, that activity yoga. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. Judy Greer. Yogurt. Judy Greer's just also, chugging that, that diuretic milky yogurt like she gets into things like uh oh uh you know uh just talking about like times that they baited jamie lee curtis into believing clearly 
nonsensical shit like, you know, this prop sweater over here belonged to David's mother, and she passed away, and the last thing she said was, evil dies tonight, and that's why it's in the movie. Just a bunch of shit like that where they're just making a fool of Jamie Lee Curtis and she's not catching on. And that happens on the commentary track too. Where they'll just, Jamie they'll Lee just make does, up does shit. seem like does seem like the, the rather batty old bag these days, doesn't she? She, she they seems- shot it in twenty nineteen and she thought it was a commentary on January sixth. That's that's what we're talking about here. Anyway, yeah. so that's a good good time. Uh, you know, my first time watching Halloween Kills, I was hardly paying attention. It was Halloween night. It was on Peacock for free. And then there would be moments where I was just like, huh? What? Oh, Jim Cummings is in this movie? What? What is yeah. happening here? And then I was like, I didn't absorb any of that movie. I got to go back to this. And that's when I watched it. I was like, this is this is an amazing piece of film. I love this movie. I'm glad the Iowa Critics Foundation had it in their top 30 best films of the year for, for potential best picture 2021. Deserves more recognition. That's what I say. Now, uh, to bring it back to science, because uh, I don't have much to say about what you just said, uh, what do you guys think is the best extraterrestrial-related movie to come out in the past 20 years? Oh, geez. Dude, that's, that's tough. Because um... if, you, if you think of like the, the ones that were, I guess, praised, you have what, an Annihilation, Arrival, uh, okay. Yeah. Annihilation's yeah. not very good, in my opinion. I know that's an unpopular yeah, opinion. When I first watched it, I thought it was all right, but uh, my opinion has dwindled since. Arrival was kind of a bore. It was just the way they told they the story. Started. That was kind of fun, like with the, the like the flash forwards, not even flashback. Like, yeah, that that was cool. But like, I almost fell asleep like three times during Arrival. Uh, District Nine. District Nine is still pretty good. I liked it a lot when it came out, but it is kind of funny. It's just about animal testing. Yeah. Like, it's all that to be like, like, listen, like, I know Lorez here is a vegetarian. Though I love to, to eat animals. I'm not sitting out here, like, poking them with electric sticks. I get it. It's bad. Um, it's just kind of funny that, like, Blumkamp's a funny guy. He, he, he makes what presents itself as, like, very high thought piece sci-fi, but it's the most elementary society take it's he's kind of in the same same like pantheon of directors like m night or jordan peele where uh there was a lot of buzz over that breakout hit district nine i mean it got a best picture nomination how often do you see a science fiction film get nominated i mean a rival i think did but that's not that's not even really a science fiction film uh that's just an emotional drama with a science fiction backdrop i mean how often does that so it's it's set in south africa too right you don't really see like best picture movies that are not no. either in England or in the States. All, all that stuff is, is, is objectively awesome about it. Like South Africa, that whole aesthetic, even some of the, like some of the effects. And I, I don't even think the budget was like crazy big on it. And he so, got the best performance that Charles Tarkovsky has given to this day. Still. You don't think he was better in Ted? I mean, we're going to get back into Ted K because my audio got fucked and we, we have a special oh, guest really? for show. Yeah. Um, that episode, unfortunately, uh, does not sound the best. Same with our Batman Begins episode. But we're going to be doing another show on Ted K anyway with the Ted Kaczynski expert very soon. Yeah. We're gonna, you don't think he's uh, better in that movie? Uh, I just think he does more with with what he has to play with in District 9 because he's more 
emotionally rot. Emo sure. Yeah, like 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 a the character goes through more changes. I think in Ted K, he's not bad, but it's a lot of just him doing things, not talking to anyone. So it's and just it's, he has a cool, cool arc. He's like this this like yeah. just this, this stick up his Doofus. ass fed that yeah has to go through like a literal transformation. See see that's the good stuff about it. It's just the animal testing angle that's kind of goofy. That's all. Yeah, but but then he goes through the character in itself goes through a lot of transformations too. Once he realizes that the corporation that he's been sucking off for his entire life doesn't care about him, and he's just like whatever, he's just a freak now. Uh, there's a lot more, and then also the line, like the dialogue is is funny at times, and he's just a very personality based character. I think uh, Ted K is just him being saddened by himself a lot. So oh, he's he pretty was happy. Good. He was some good. Of those delusions. When he's on when the he was, bike with the, the woman and whatever. Yeah, no, he seems pretty happy a good chunk of the time when he blows people he, up. He's, it's very exciting. He's good. I just, I don't know. I just, I really like that performance in District 9. Uh, I, I like weird autistic characters like that where they just have to adjust their weird. I wonder why that might be. Situation. I wonder why, why such a man would idolize those characters. No, he's idea. certainly not relating. To these couldn't. autistic autistic people is he no couldn't tell you <laughs> couldn't not, don't even know what you're talking about what do you guys think of john carter john carter of mars i have not seen that wish i gave it a chance it, it's one of the most monumental flops of the last like 10 years and uh, it probably doesn't deserve it compared it's to not, other stuff that's been successful it's not horrendous i watched it it's not good like you're not gonna it's not gonna be your your new fantasy franchise that you're obsessed with it's not that but i think for what it is just like a fantasy like a goofy fantasy movie that i don't know if they were trying to take it seriously just it didn't really translate that way um it, i i didn't think that it was that, that offensive maybe the budget is what you know so, inflated okay here, here, here's but. here's my take because i'm i'm i think i finally can answer your question which was um what's maybe the best alien invasion movie I think you're asking since signs because if, if you're yeah. asking just yeah, um, I think objectively and not even like based on my own uh, taste for the film is uh, Cloverfield because Ooh. it's it was the one that converged the found footage style which was not done as much as it as it kind of was experimented with after like paranormal activity but it was it was one that used that style to its advantage made a ton of money, garnered all the buzz, was one of the biggest movies um, we were talking about. I was in high school at the time, and that was like one of the biggest ones everybody was talking about that year uh, in, in school, like just daily conversations about that. That was one that totally changed the game in a lot of respect uh, well, for like genre films and sci-fi and whatnot, and what you could do for an alien invasion movie to make it different. So I think that that's probably, uh, yeah, I'll say it, that's probably... The best one to the point signs. to the point where they forced a trilogy onto it with movies that had nothing to do with that's, the original. That's JJ. And it was Stupid ass so JJ successful, was wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's yeah. like, well, wait till you see what we do here. Nobody cared. Oh, though, wait, Ten Cloverfield Lane is it's pretty good. good. That's a it's good. Movie. good. It just yeah. doesn't need the the Cloverfield element for well, it to. Work I think it would have been fantastic without any sci-fi element if you just had john goodman be a, a weird liar that's right. it if you if he, if it just turned out to be normal on the outside yep. which i think 
that might have been the original script when I when it was called The Basement. Um, I I know that was retrofitted into oh, a Cloverfield That's film. Jeez. Well, the uh, third one is even worse because at least this, the Cloverfield Lane is good. At least it, it's an enjoyable watch. The third nobody cared like, about that third one. No, what they dropped that on Super Bowl Sunday, and that was terrible. right when everyone would forget about it. Yep. <laughs> and they literally shot that movie without thinking of. Uh, I mean, I'm assume, assuming because the monster pops up right at the end for like ten seconds, I think, or that's something. Right. And that's when the station is falling into Earth. Is it? Right. Or something like that. Yes. And then it's like, oh, that's hey, Cloverfield movie. There it is. There's the monster. Like, this has nothing to do with anything. The monster's somehow grown, so it's fucking its head is popping out of the earth now. You you, know, you could maybe though. make the case um, for a quiet place that that that's like an alien. Were those movie. aliens? Yeah, they are aliens. It shows in the second movie how they got there, um, which the second movie has one of the most hilariously terribly contrived uh plot devices i've ever seen in a movie it's it's very convenient everything is very convenient oh wait have you guys seen it no i don't know i haven't seen the sequel okay let me explain it in less than 20 seconds uh there's a private island where everybody's safe an alien accidentally jumps on to um to a dinghy like in in the water that's just like pushed off and uh like a tiny a tiny little boat and uh, it, 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 it's pushed off into the water. And then it just so happens that from like, like miles away, it floats all the way to the island and washes ashore. And then it goes on the island and then starts killing everybody. It's, I, I knew they were setting it up when, when I saw that scene. And when it pays off, I, I almost belly laughed in the theater at how the monster like paddling with his paws just like on the boat so he goes to the island but that's that's the thing they 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 explicitly show they they drown if they go on the water that's like a weakness of theirs to kind of hark back to science right this thing stood sat still for like what the passage of time is about probably 10 hours between it landing on the little on the little boat and getting to the island it's, so you have to sit there and picture that this thing sat just like this. <laughs> didn't capsize at all. They didn't, no, you no, know, they didn't, didn't have to do patient. anything for yeah. 10 hours. Just <laughs> sat there and then conveniently got to the one place where there was a safe refuge that nobody was being harmed at. So, yeah, A Quiet Place kind of boned themselves. So, yeah, it's Cloverfield for me. So I guess it's suffered from sequel. Where it's like we don't know what the fuck to do with the first movie made a lot of money, so I, let's just outside make of that scene, it's harmless. I I don't I don't love the Quiet Place movies like the rest of the world does. I think they're solid. I think that um, it's a fun premise, but like I'm not in love with them. It's but the one thing I will say um, is that movies like a, a Quiet Place, at least the first one, uh, because it was this kind of new cool thing, that is a trace of like what signs did 20 years ago in having a similar cultural uh, impact, not as big, certainly not as big, didn't even make as much money um, 20 years after the fact of inflation, but that people were struck by it. And it was essentially an original idea. So that's, that's admirable, but still doesn't hold the candle to the, uh, to the aforementioned ones that were just in conversation. Yeah, uh, I I think Cloverfield's a pretty good call. I mean, I 
my thing with that where I didn't even think of it is I think the general consensus considers that more of a monster movie than an alien movie, but it is an alien uh, I get I, I mean singular alien invasion film. Uh, could you consider under the skin an alien invasion? Oh shit, that was a creative one. Uh, I've seen that um, one yet, but everybody was talking about Scarjo going nude, so I don't know why I skipped yeah, it. Yeah, she has some some nice bosoms uh, from what I remember seeing in the theater. She's got some nice nice. Uh, I mean, it is an extraterrestrial character. Right. Do we? I don't remember what happens at the end. Do we see more of them, or is it just their her character? Uh, her is it an actual invasion? I don't fucking remember. Well, she's letting them invade her, which is a trap, because she's right. then putting them in the thing. This, I don't know. This just Blood sounds waters. fucking stupid when you try to describe it. But <laughs> yeah. it, makes no, it doesn't have any like Listen, meaning or whatever. But it's there good. is a lot of silence. There's a lot of non-talking, and then people's skin just falls off. Mm. Yeah, that's it's good. I mean. Uh, what about something like Edge of Tomorrow, which is an alien invasion, but it's also action, right? More action, I guess, than like a horror thing. Yeah, that one got um, that one has a, a, like a pretty infamous reputation now that it was a really solid movie that the marketing just killed it, so it flopped big in the box office. Yeah. And so, what they did was um, they kind of gave it a like almost retroactively gave it a new title. They, not officially, but more or less, they called it Live, Die, Repeat after, mm-hmm. uh, which was like the tagline. And they just kind of, or the log, yeah, tagline. And if you look at the Blu-rays, they have Live, Die, Repeat in giant, like big bold letters. And then Edge of Tomorrow in like very that's small horror, text. That's a bad title. I like that title. That title reminds me of, uh, um, what's the movie that's based on the book where you see every Warner? No, everything that oh. Warner owns. You know, that's, that's in a video game, and it's a Spielberg movie, and it's all in 3D animation. Ready Player One? Player yeah. One. Yeah. I don't know why it reminds me of that title of, like, just very, like, I'm not going to take this movie seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. What is it? The live, leave, die, repeat hit die, your repeat. wife. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hit your wife. Uh, be a part of a relationship that abuses people, and be short. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's the, that's the movie. Yeah. Man lit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I think we're. I think we've said everything that we need to say. Yes, about a sign. Signs. 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 Is the best. Is it the best M Night Shyamalan movie? Is it the best M Night Shyamalan movie? I'm, you know what? I might say yes. Yeah. I. I mean, I've always liked The Sixth Sense, but Signs is the one I think that has. I, I think it just has it all. It has it all, and I think the um, the the impact of it when it came out versus the reputation it still has, and then just being like the definitive alien sci-fi movie of really the last 20 or 25 years is I think that's all the evidence you need. I'm uh, in agreement with you. I don't think it's the most interesting film visually. Um, I do think the cast is pulling their weight like in no other M night film and the parts of it that include the family um, just kind of bonding and having this rapport with one another are some of the most likable you can find in any of M. Night Shyamalan's films, so much so that you have a real investment in making sure that each of these characters gets through to the end um, and is able to endure the very, you know, uh, you know, hand-to-hand invasion that seems to be occurring here with aliens on the ground as opposed to, oh, we're blowing up buildings, we're blowing up the city we're we're burning the crops no it's just one alien 
and he wants to steal a little boy. It's very sus. Yeah, no but, one calls the president here. No one has like a direct line to older actor that plays the president. This is just there's no President Morgan Freeman on the right. line to help solve this. No, you you have a very 1950s military recruiter, right? Yeah. Where he speaks with like a cartoon character, general's voice. That's about it. <laughs> which, That's the authority. Which, which before we we get off of this, I do think that was partly of the design, I, mm-hmm. because I believe he was archetyping off of if you look at the books and everything and the the media in which they consume to understand it and even the tinfoil hats i think yeah. it, i think it is all a callback and so i think the character while he's kind of played in a silly fashion it, it's classic shabalan he always has some goofy moments in his movies uh it, it works and i think that was the basis i agree uh hans what about you uh yeah i uh <clears throat> it, it would either be that or or like jake said uh six cents for me but now that i've rewatched because i think this is just the second one that that's the second time that i've seen it uh i i was really impressed with how everything works in such a small scale uh even though it's an alien space well not spaceship but just an alien movie uh where you usually expect a lot of violence and you expect a lot of hustle and and bustle and the the earth is about to end and people are upset and afraid and here it's just very low-key very small very contained uh and it works really well and i think the 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 little shamalamalisms that might be annoying uh in another movie could you repeat like, that sh- sh- shamala i can't shamalama it was a one-time thing <laughs> <laughs> i know it was remarkably smooth you you struggled with rory but you said that <laughs> with perfect clarity well, uh, really quickly imagine imagine a, a, a person that speaks spanish 93 percent of their day saying the name rory yeah that's uh, like imagine like imagine you pass a card like i could go to one of my mexican neighbors here in my complex and just pass them like just have them read it rory rory Rory? Rory? (laughs) yeah but uh uh I, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, the, the, what I was going to say, the, the shamalamalisms that are kind of annoying, which is, at least to me, whenever he has his characters just recite uh, exposition, that's kind of annoying with his movies sometimes. And I don't think that's done here. And if it's, if it's done, it doesn't really he does stick it. out that much. Uh, yeah, well, on that scene. But, but then... Uh, I don't know. I feel like I wasn't as annoyed with this one as I am with some of the later ones that I've seen. So uh, when it comes to his movies, yeah, it's probably my favorite too. I, I say the best to, of uh, them, but James yeah. Newton Howard's uh, Howard's score is is unbelievable. Those three tones and how he just essentially gives different variations of them throughout the movie. I, I don't want to go get get off the show without saying that that's one of my favorite like suspenseful like horror or thriller movie uh compositions like ever i just love the simplicity of it yeah it's terrific uh the music in in a lot of his early films especially uh is unmatched compared to any of the composers he would work with later on i think the straw that broke the camel's back for james newton howard was avatar i think that was the last one he did with with m night before uh saying all right we're going in a different direction now and uh did he did he do the score to one of the batman movies uh i know hans zimmer came in for nolan's trilogy i feel like james newton howard might have done 
one of them. Maybe I'm misremembering. No, I, I think he did. He might have done one of the Schumacher ones. Uh, oh, fuck I, no. No, no, no. The music in the Schumacher ones is distinctly bad. That's Elliot Goldenthal. Oh, okay. Because um, sure. that's very cartoonish and over the top. He, I feel like... Did Dark Knight, Batman Begins? He did the Dark Knight uh, and Batman uh, Begins. Batman Begins. Yeah, yeah. He did Batman Begins, I believe. Or no. Score, producer, and piano on Dark Knight. And then it says... Oh, okay, so so you helped out with Hans Zimmer. That's right. I think he had he had like a small role in it, but it was mostly good old Mister Oscar winner Zimmer. Now, yeah. All right. Well, that has been our episode of Science. Jake, when is the new series dropping? Since I just got home, I've got four episodes uh, filmed. I'd like to film another four to six over the next two weeks, but I'll be editing these so. I would love to say it's going to be like next week, but it's going to be a lot of work to put all those together. So, but it is going to happen because I've put a lot of time into it. I'm super excited for it. And then I want to do another series after that, but we'll, uh, I'm going to kick that down the road until this one's, this one's taken care of, but just stay tuned. Just stay following me because I'm going to be at it full steam. Terrific. And you're the tallest on Twitter. People should go, follow you right now follow your oh fuck we didn't do any of our sponsorships for 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 this episode and surfshark vpn coupon code low res you know what i pre-recorded too i'll just have to find a place to insert those patreon.com slash low res if you're watching this right now uh that means you subscribed to the five dollar tier and we are very appreciative of that because hans has a new microphone and customs uh (laughs) thanks to you guys just uh uh Throw it in there like they do on Legion of Scan because it doesn't matter where it is. It's just like hey, in the middle of this, you know, there's a there's a silence here for two seconds. There it is. Yep. Who cares? Surfshark.deal slash low res. Surf the dark web safely. And you never have to you know, drop a single sweat about what you might be doing online with Surfshark VPN. All right. That's been Movies for this week. Thank you for listening.